0: Hi, it's Catherine from your God Works podcast, and today I pick up with the big move back to Birmingham, the one I didn't really want to make. My plans were to stay in Florida and maybe marry T one day, but I couldn't keep fighting God on the matter. It was February 14th, 1995, and the movers were scheduled to arrive and load my belongings the next day. I had not heard from T, which was another reason to pack up and move. How could, on Valentine's Day, a man who was there for me when I was attacked, and who knew that was my main reason for leaving Florida, not even show up at my door to say goodbye? Thank God for friends. Karen and Jill took me to dinner and we had a great time, although I was full of emotion knowing that would be our last evening together, except on my occasional visits back to St. Pete. When I arrived home that evening, the neighbor that lived across the hall met me outside. He was holding a vase with a red rose and said, some guy named T stopped by and knocked on your door. When you didn't answer, he knocked on mine and asked if I would make sure you got the rose and card. I opened the miniature envelope from the florist and had a complete meltdown when I saw love T handwritten on the card. I guess he assumed I'd be home packing and not out with friends the night before I was moving. On the other hand, Maybe that's how God arranged it, so I wouldn't be home. I honestly don't know if I could have said goodbye to T without drowning in my own puddle of tears. I truly loved him. The next day, the movers arrived and loaded me up. There I was in my charcoal gray 1990 Nissan 240SX traveling to Birmingham, this time not to visit, but to live. I had that vase with the rose in it secured on the passenger seat of my car guarding it with my life as I traveled. I kid you not, I cried for eight solid hours until I hit Montgomery, Alabama. The closer I got to Birmingham, peace came over me. When I pulled into Mom's home around one o'clock in the morning, she was waiting, and she hugged me like I'd never been hugged before. Mom was so excited to see me again and know that I was out of an environment where my attacker was still on the loose. I'm so glad you're home, she said. Sometimes I believe she willed me back to Birmingham more than God did, if that's possible. The movers spent the night halfway and met me at the apartment I'd rented the following day. They got me all moved in. I rested up and got ready for my new job that would begin the following day. I'd love to tell you that everything turned around for the better, but I was having a rough time. It was the dead of winter and bitter cold and dreary most of the time. I missed tea, my friends, the Florida climate, and sun. And my job, oh my god, the same thing that was happening in Florida was now happening at a different court reporting firm in Alabama. The depositions would cancel, or there were no depositions. Scrambling to get more income, I did medical transcription for a woman, and every single paycheck she wrote me bounced. Just seems I couldn't win for losing. My only theory to this unexplainable mess God had a purpose for me in Alabama, though I hadn't quite figured his reason. So he created a job for the time being just to get me home. Since writing was my only escape to sanity in the midst of all the strife, I thought this was the perfect time to start collecting marriage stories for a book I wanted to write titled Marriage is Meant to Be. True and unusual stories on how couples met and married. After all, I'd made my promise to God that I would write when he rescued me from a serial rapist. He did, so now I had to fulfill my promise to God. I remembered on a trip to Birmingham, I went to dinner one Sunday evening with my mother and oldest brother, Andy, at Joe's Ranch House, one of our favorite and finest restaurants in Birmingham. Seated at the table behind us was a huge party. With all the Happy Father's Day balloons and cards, there was no doubt it was relatives gathered to celebrate the occasion. We had almost finished eating dinner when an elderly lady from their group pulled her chair over to our table. My family and I had no idea what she was about to say or what suddenly prompted this unexpected visit from her. But I must admit, she had our undivided attention. She moved close to my brother Andy, smiled at him, placed her hands around his upper left arm, and then began telling all of us what a wonderful life she'd had and how very much she enjoyed living. She shared several funny stories from her life's experiences, and at times we were laughing hysterically. Though the lady appeared to be in her early 80s, her mind was sharp and young. Minutes later, she pointed to her husband, who was standing across the room and started into the wildest story I'd ever heard about how they met and married. When she finished, she commented on how good the Lord had been to them and what a blessed life they had had. It warmed my heart to hear how truly thankful she was for everything and gave God credit for it all. The party she was with had already closed out their dinner tab and they were standing under the exit sign trying to get everyone together so they could leave. But this woman never revealed her identity and the relatives began yelling, Nancy, come on, let's go, Nancy. And it was at that moment I learned her name. Nancy threw her hand in the air and hollered back in disgust. All right, in a minute. She wasn't done entertaining us, but her family was losing patience. On their final call, they threatened to carry her out of the restaurant. Having heard that, Nancy got up to leave, but before she did, she hugged our necks and stated what a pleasure it was meeting us, and she hoped to see us again someday. Now back in Birmingham, I wanted to contact Nancy and seek permission to publish their marriage story. But I didn't know her last name or anyone who knew her. I was clueless where to even begin looking. I had recalled a comment my brother Andy made the evening we met Nancy. He stated that her husband was big into Alabama football. Well, in the South, that statement is considered generic. Many Alabamians are big into Alabama football. As far as I was concerned, that expression was of little importance and was not going to help me at all. So I telephoned my mom and asked if she might remember the evening we met Nancy. And if by chance she did, did she recall the couple's last name? I was surprised when mom rattled it off without hesitation. I thanked her repeatedly. Then I opened up the phone book when you could look in the phone book for someone's name and number. And I found the listing. I started to dial the number. and Suddenly I felt like a complete idiot. How would I explain this? Would Nancy remember me from a brief encounter two years ago? Would she still be alive? What if something happened to her? I then reassured myself these were risks I had to take if I wanted to achieve my goal writing my book. On the second ring, a gentleman answered. May I speak to Nancy, I asked. There was a pause. Nancy? Yes, sir, I replied. Solemnly, he responded. Honey, Nancy died a year ago. This is Fred." Well, with that news, you could have buried me. All I could say was, I'm sorry, and I hung up. But afterwards, I had an overwhelming compulsion to write Fred and explain the reason I called. Before 5 o'clock that afternoon, I had mailed him a letter. I described the night I met Nancy and recited their marriage story as she related it to me. Then I gave a brief description about my book and asked permission to print the story. When I came in from work the next day, there was a message on my answering machine. Fred had received my letter and sounded ecstatic over the idea of having his and Nancy's story published. We made arrangements to meet the following Monday at his sporting goods store in the local mall. I wanted to introduce myself and discuss the story as I had heard it, making sure it would be accurate. When I arrived that morning, Fred greeted me with a kiss on the cheek. Then he escorted me into his office and pulled two chairs side by side for our interview. I looked around. Trophies and awards from years past to present filled his office. Pictures of him with prominent people such as the legendary coach Paul Bear Bryant covered the walls. I had no idea this man was such a celebrity. After I browsed over his honors and awards, we sat down and Fred began telling the story of how he met Nancy. Once in a while, a tear would roll down his face. When he expressed how much he missed her, a golf ball-sized lump developed in my throat. was all I could do to hold back my own tears but somehow we managed to make it through when the interview was over and I was about to leave Fred turned to me and said you're my buddy now don't let it in here you call me I consider you my friend I felt extremely honored when I met Nancy the thought of writing marriage is meant to be had not yet developed but I don't just believe I know there is a reason for everything I always wondered what compelled Nancy to pull her chair over to our table that Sunday evening and begin telling total strangers how she met her husband. It became the first chapter in my Marriage is Meant to Be book, and that was just the beginning. God works. Tune into my next podcast and follow me along my spiritual journey, detailing how God has worked in my life from then until now. Remember, no matter what you are going through or how bad things get, You can find God right where you are because God is always right there with you. Thanks so much for tuning in. May blessings flow your way today.